leaders. What keeps you up at night? Welcome to The Sweet Spot, the podcast series that expands the traditional term of what a boss is to tackle some of the most important issues in business. From business as usual and growing your market to everyday leadership issues or handling one in 100 year events, we aim to provide ongoing inspiration and education for CEOs, founders, management, shareholders, and leaders of every stripe. The sweet spot is the future of work and business. Brianne West is a New Zealand entrepreneur and the founder and CEO of Etique, the world's most sustainable lifestyle and beauty brand. Etique has, to date, prevented the manufacture and disposal of over 8 million plastic bottles worldwide. Having previously founded and sold two other companies, Brianne's passion for environmental conservation, background in cosmetic chemistry, and desire to create a business that went beyond just profit led her to establish Etik with the mission of ridding the world of plastic bottles. Instead, Etik products a range of solid beauty bars, not soap, wrapped in compostable cardboard packaging. After just eight years of trading, Etik is now distributed in over 16 countries around the globe and is valued in excess of $100 million. Recognized as one of New Zealand's most successful social enterprises, Etik has scaled rapidly without compromising on a core mission of purpose over profit. Every bar is still made using only sustainable, certified vegan, cruelty-free and palm oil-free ingredients and wrapped in certified compostable packaging. Etik is New Zealand's highest ranking B Corp, living wage certified, carbon positive, plants one tree for every order and donates 20% of annual profits to charity. Etik's Super Soap project has donated 30,000 bars of soap since 21st of April 2020 to vulnerable communities across New Zealand and the South Pacific in response to COVID-19. Brianne's success with Etique has seen her awarded as the EY Young Entrepreneur of the Year, Staff New Zealand Woman of Influence and Category Business Enterprise, and be named as an Obama Foundation Leader. I look forward to my chat with Brianne. So I'm really excited for our chat today. I personally love using Etique products, so um, I've been You even say it right. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Most people don't. Um, so my very first question for you is um, you've obviously grown Etique significantly from its origins in your kitchen in Christchurch uh, to now being sold globally on Amazon. What piece of advice have you been given in the past um, that has impacted how you run the business? So it's hard to narrow that question down to one. Um, I've had lots, I've been very lucky throughout my business career. I've had lots of good mentors um, in and out of my life, however fleeting or constantly within. Um, And I guess something that I have taken to heart early on and really believed was the idea that you've got to trust yourself. Um, At the end of the day, you will be surrounded by people who know a lot more than you do. And you should be because you should surround yourself with people who are better and cleverer and have more experience than you do. But you should always trust your gut. And if you, if, if people are saying something to you that you should do that is fundamentally against what you believe you and your brand and your business is against, you shouldn't do it. Um, and you may get a lot of pressure. Um, but if you truly fundamentally believe something is wrong, then you shouldn't do it. And that has, I ignored that early on in my career. And there's a couple of decisions back then that I regret making. Um, nothing catastrophic at the end of the day because almost anything can be fixed. But uh, looking back, 
sort of having that more faith in myself, then I wouldn't have made them and who knows where we would be then. So that is now something I absolutely stand by. Um, I get called unreasonable because of it at times. And look, I'm sure that I can be a pain to work with, but uh, I believe that you've got to stick to those values and that is what has made a teak as successful as it is. It's really just a, an extension of that. That's really valuable advice. Um, with that in mind, 2020 has been often called an unprecedented year. With all the challenges that COVID-19 has posed for everyone around the world, how has that impacted you and your team and how ETIC managed to continue on its path? That is a very big question, to be perfectly honest. Um, we've It's had an enormous impact on us. Um, it has not shaken us financially as bad as many other companies that are struggling, for which I'm exceedingly thankful, and that's mainly due to really strong financial management by my COO. And um, we were in a, in a good financial position sort of at the end of 2019, so we're going into 2022, 2020 in a good position. Um, it has... You know, the first few months we were watching it in February and, and I was still very much on the on the fence, you know, saying it's not really going to be that big a deal. You know, we've seen loads of these before. You know, it got harder and harder to ignore in March. And, and that was when we started to put into place things like, you know, the ability to – we've always been a very digital company. Everything's in the cloud. But to be frank, every business is nowadays, right? Uh, so it was always easy to work from home. But we, we very quickly put in place, you know, we made sure that our team could go home with loads of sanitizers and masks and all the things that they would need. So should we have to go home and stay there for a certain period of time, they would be safe to do so. Um, but they could also carry out their work because we were we're deemed an essential business because we supply supermarkets, supermarkets and hygiene products like soap. So we could had to keep operating, which is good because it kept the team morale up so they had something to do. Also, it made sure the company survived. Um, but the first and foremost then was, you know, team's health and happiness and making sure them and their families were looked after and, and were okay. So that was sort of the first few months was was getting through that sort of weird transition period. Now in New Zealand, of course, we are, uh, people say COVID free. I mean, you know, it's obviously in our quarantine hotels at the border, but by and large, our day-to-day -day life is pretty standard. We are very lucky. Um, and the rest of the world feels like it's on fire a lot of the time. So as we export 85% of our pro uh, products, you know, 85% of our revenue comes from offshore, the ability to not travel has been pretty a pretty big deal. So um, e easily half the team would spend two, three months out of the country a year. I would spend um, maybe three to three weeks out of four out of the country. Um, and this is doing things which are not as easy to do and in fact, not as effective to do over Zoom. So it's things like building relationships, meeting distributors, learning about markets. You, nothing like wandering around a retail store to learn about a market and how your product might fit in there. And we can't do that at the moment. And so that's been difficult, but it's actually it's actually sped up a decision, which was whether we would take on um, external investors, whether we would take on um, a strategic investor as it was. And that's what we did at the end of last year, who's helped us put into place infrastructure around the world and people. So now we've got a president in the United States, you know, from the other, a different president from the actual president. Um, <laughs> and we, we've got a GM of, of the, the UK and the EU. And these people are very, very phenomenally talented and experienced. Um, so they're helping the company grow um, and really filling the things that we can no longer do. And probably doing a much better job to be frank so it's definitely had significant downsides but it's sort of forced decisions which will be for the overall good of the company anyway um and look the team have come through it 
everyone seems happy and healthy as much as I can control anyway. Um, yeah, it's been an interesting year. I am looking forward to it being over. I know this is the year of the vaccine. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. <laughs> well, it's encouraging to hear that through through all, all of this, despite your your business relying 85% on overseas markets. It's incredible that you've been able to find a way forward and maybe yeah, bring decisions forward that would have been made further down the track. I know that you've, throughout 2020, you've still managed to really move forward to in, in terms of product innovations, you've introduced um, concentrates to the product range, which I think are really exciting. Obviously, 2020 in itself was a challenge, but even despite that, how do you keep innovating your products? I don't know how to answer that question. Just full of ideas. And I know that that sounds ridiculous, but um, the only thing I'm good at is ideas. <laughs> um, I just... Um, Concentrates, to use those as an example, I mean, I came up with the idea about two and a half years ago. Uh, it seemed absolutely mental to me that we were – this. I mean, the creation of bars, right, it seems mental to me. We fill a product with water. We ship that product around the world. It's heavy because it's full of water. Um, and then we use that in a room full of water. None of that makes any sense at all, right? I think you'll agree. And then there's the next step, which is that a whole bunch of people don't like bars. So the vast majority of people don't like bar products. And they never will. And you know what? That's okay because everybody's different. So how can we serve that audience? Uh, concentrate with a clear, obvious answer. Sell people the active ingredient that they can make up themselves. Um, there was a bit of reticence within the company about it because people weren't sure whether it would cannibalize our existing products. And yes, it will to a certain degree, but not always. There will always be bar fans out there because they fill different needs. Um, but then there was also the idea is, are people actually going to want to make their own products? And yeah, you know, I guess what some people aren't going to, but this fills, this widens our audience. Um, and it's been a spectacular success. We released it quite quite a small amount. We didn't really release it to retailers. Um, we just wanted to see what customer feedback was and people have been very excited. We've sold out numerous times, which is, I know, very irritating for customers. It's irritating for us as well. Um, but it's it's goes to show that people like innovation. Um, we, we've been listed on a, a few awards, so we won you know, the Time um, Innovations for 2020 and L Magazine Future of Beauty Awards because people love seeing these new and exciting things. But I love getting in the lab. Um, I don't get to do it as often as I, as I used to, but I typically still formulate all of our products. We are um, I'm bringing on a couple of um, R and D. Um, managers, not only to manage the whole product process, which is something I'm not very good at because it's all about operations and organization, which isn't my forte, but um, also to learn how to formulate solid products because, you know, they're not the same as liquid. It's not like you make a product with, with water and then you evaporate the water off. They're very different to formulate. So um, I am training some people to do that. And that's, that's pretty cool because they've got some amazing ideas about future innovations as well. So I don't see that dying down anytime soon. And oh, it might not fantastic. necessarily be just in the uh, cosmetic and hygiene world. Who knows where it'll go? Mm, well, mm. watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to know that you um, also still get into the lab and bring yeah. your ideas to fruition. It, does that, um, how has your role changed through, well, since starting to obviously now um, being global? How How has your time commitment to what level of, of input into each product? Has that changed? Totally. 
um, I guess now, I guess I get to do a bit of the more of the fun stuff than I used to. So years ago, it would be. I would do everything from start to finish. Um, I'd be making the product in the kitchen whilst I was also answering emails while it's set and then I'd pop them out of the mould and wrap them and, you know, and all that sort of manual stuff. And I've got to be honest, I don't miss it, but I'm glad that I had to go through it because now I know what it's like. I um, did that for years and years. Now, um, okay, so last year I was much more hands-on in the lab. Um, I did make a lot of the stuff, whereas now I will, you know, jot down a formula or jot down an idea. I'll send it through to my R&D assistant and um, she will whip up a, a batch and then we'll all test it as a team around um, the next night. Um, that's typically how a day will go. Although sometimes I do go and spend, um, I make sure she gets um, regular lessons because she is a phenomenal scientist and, and will become an amazing formulator. So she needs lots of training. Um, and, to be honest, for the rest of the time I spend in meetings, you know, managing offshore teams involves a lot of talking. And from about sort of 6.37 in the morning till probably one or two in the afternoon is usually just back-to-back meetings, just making sure that everybody has got what they need. And and look, that will change because this, this strategic investor is a, is a new is a new thing, you know, we've only a couple of months in, so they, they will die down once people understand their roles and, you know, things like reporting lines and, and they understand where their position in the company is. But at the moment, I think I spend 90% of my time answering emails, doing podcasts or interviews or those sorts of things, but uh, in meetings, but that's okay. It's a, it's a season. <laughs> yes. Everything, it, there is nothing, uh, I would, I would be bored rigid if it was the same from one month to the next. Mm. And um, talking about sort of how time is spent, Atik was created with a purpose. And if we take a step back, looking at the bigger picture, in your view, what what are some key aspects of conscious consumerism, which is is something I certainly see Atik contributing to? It's a funny question, actually. Um, a lot of people believe emphatically that there is no such thing as conscious consumerism because consumerism by definition cannot be conscious. And I see their point in a lot of ways. Um, the idea of, of constant growth and constant chasing of the next new thing, that can never be conscious. It can never be sustainable because at the end of the day, we live in a finite world. When you, I guess, look at it less perfectly the idea of making decisions you know people need to buy things uh, to use hygiene products or soap or shampoo people need to buy them because frankly I'd rather people use shampoo when I sit next to them on a plane right um you can make good choices there because you can you can find brands that don't use palm oil or that use less plastic or no plastic at all or they use um direct or fairly traded products um it's a important to figure out what means the most to you because you probably cannot do it all um we try and tick every single box so we are palm oil free we are plastic free we are <clears throat> use sustainably sourced stock we are living wage certified we are b corp we donate 20 percent to charity it goes on and on and on but at the end of the day most companies don't do that because it's it's hard to do um so you, to be a conscious consumer and obviously you can't see me but i've got my little what do, you, what do you call them? Speech marks. Quotation marks, yeah, speech marks. Yeah, yeah that'll do. That'll do. <laughs> um, you, you've, you've got to make this choice about what's important to you because there's no point in trying to be perfect and, and if you can't be perfect, then not doing it. Um, just make a slightly more thoughtful decision the first time. Look, at the end of the day, the best thing you can do is not buy stuff you don't need. 
it's really that simple. I have seen no end of zero waste influences on Instagram and their pantries or their cupboards just look like manicured perfection with bamboo jars that are all identical and they're filled with this and that and they say, oh, I'll go and shop and refill. And that's great. That's that's great if it took them years to get that way. But I don't think most of the time it did. You know, they went out, they threw all their stuff away and they went out and bought an entire uh, pantry full of bamboo jars so they could then refill them. And that's that's not zero waste. You know, zero waste is, is buying what you need, end of story. And oh, I should I should quantify, there is really no such thing as zero waste living and that's okay. Uh, we do the best we can with what we have. Do you think that that mindset is something we hear enough about with when we have our conscious Instagram um, influencers that have the perfect Insta-worthy pantry and whatnot? Is that setting an example that people can actually achieve or is it is that talked about? I think it is talked about actually quite a lot now. I don't think it used to be, but certainly of late people have started, there's a bit of a backlash against it. Um, I mean, there's nothing, I don't want to denounce what they're doing in any way, shape or form because at the end of the day, Instagram is a visual platform and therefore something has to be visually pleasing to get cut through, right? Uh, so they've, they've had to do it for that. But it would be a shame if, you know, if someone couldn't achieve that aesthetic or, or that, you know, if they feel that they weren't good enough, that they wouldn't try. And I do see um, in a lot of comments, perhaps about, say, climate change marches. You know, a lot of people said, oh, well, how did you get there? Were you there? Did you get there on a fossil fuel bus? Well, yes, of course they did, because that's the system in which we operate. That's not to say we shouldn't demand change. You know, um, nobody could be perfect. It is impossible to be perfect at this. You see the argument a lot about electric cars, right? I mean, if, if 30% of the energy is, is developed, um, is generated from coal, then are they any better? The answer is emphatically, yes, they are. But we can't be perfect and it would be a shame if if those perfect perfect lifestyles that we see and we see so much on our social media platforms put people off because you can't be perfect and you need to give it a go anyway and it's it's easier than a lot of people think it's super easy because all you have to do is stop buying stuff you don't need <laughs> there you go you're a conscious consumer <laughs> and that's the go-to tip um which was actually going to be um my my next question is asking um yeah, what your go-to tips are for those wanting to be more conscious? Well, let me repeat it for those in the back. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't need it, don't buy it. But um, it saves you money. Um, sustainability uh, is, is super elitist uh, because, unfortunately, because of the decisions brands have to make and, and the price they pay for people to be to sustainably produce their products, it is higher. Therefore, the products are higher at the end. So, Unfortunately, it is much harder to live a more sustainable life if you're in a lower income. And that's not fair. And hopefully that is something that changes as sustainability becomes much more mainstream. Also, I really hate the term sustainability because it kind of become meaningless. But in terms of tips, aside from buying what you don't need, um, it kind of comes into what can you reuse? What can you recycle? Um, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be reduce, reuse, recycle, right? <laughs> it you've got to start with the other parts of the pyramid is, is what can you actually, uh, what do you what do you still have that you could continue to use that works just as well, but maybe it's not as pretty because it doesn't fit in with your other bamboo jars in your pantry. Um, you know, if you can, uh, to take it to an extreme, if you can buy an electric car, great. Most people can't because they are not affordable at this point in time. And that's unfortunate, but they will come down in price. 
So what can you perhaps do to lessen your carbon footprint? Can you bike to work? Some people can, some people can't. Or can you carpool? You know, it's making those sorts of decisions. Unfortunately, sustainability or living a, a lighter life is not as convenient as not caring at all. And that's the problem. Changes and sacrifices do have to be made, but they don't have to be enormous. And um, one of my favorite go-to tips is to offset your carbon footprint. Look, offsets are not perfect. They are not an excuse for you to go and do what you like and fly to, well, we can't fly anywhere at the moment, but um, well, fly, fly to, around New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We can. Okay, so you can't fly to Auckland every weekend for a girls' weekend to go and shop and buy whatever. You know, that's that's not um, that's that's not helpful. Um, but offsets are useful. You know, you should go and calculate your carbon footprint, and then go and see where you can uh, offset that carbon. Yeah. So one of, one of my favorite partners is Ecology. And they are a gold standard accredited offsetter. So you, they've kind of gamified it too. It's very clever. So you, you plant a bunch of trees every month. So you, you sign up monthly. It's a, it's a low cost for those who can afford it. It's a low cost. Uh, they plant a bunch of trees each for, for you in, in various countries. Uh, Madagascar, for example, they plant natives and they plant mangroves. And they also invest in renewable energy technologies like carbon capture and those sorts of things. So you're genuinely offsetting the carbon that you can't help but admit because at the end of the day, there is no such thing as a no-carbon lifestyle either. So, yeah, um, I guess those are my go-tos. Stop buying stuff you don't need. Think about your everyday decisions and whether it's wasteful or whether you can carpool, those sorts of things, really think about it um, and appreciate that it may not be the most convenient decision. And then what you cannot offset in terms of carbon footprint or what you cannot reduce in terms of carbon footprint, have a look to see if you can offset it. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. And um, my final question for today um, is what are you most excited about for the year ahead? Can I say vaccines? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm excited to seeing um, a couple of things, I guess. I am excited to seeing the world go back to normal and to, well, not go, it won't go back to normal in 2021. Let's not kid ourselves. But I am excited about seeing the world coming together to make the world a safer place in terms of, of COVID-19. I am interested to see what happens with vaccines. Obviously, with the current the lack, there isn't enough for everybody. And as a result, lower income countries are missing out. And that is not on. That should not be fair. We need to do something about that. And I'm looking forward to seeing people do that. And I have faith that we will. I hope that we will. Um, The other thing I'm looking forward to is um, now we have people in power in important countries who care. I am very excited to see the change and the action when it comes to working towards um you can't fix climate change but lessening and reducing our our future climate change problems Mm. and then of course i'm excited about teak you know we've got lots planned we've got some big expansion plans we've got some um we've got people and we've, we've put a whole bunch of people offshore um so we've got a president of the united states ourselves um a different president obviously we've got a, a gm of the uk and eu um yeah i'm excited we've got some big retail expansion and when retail opens back up we've got some massive massive things going on and lots of new products oh that's really exciting 
look forward to to seeing where where Teak goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, I'll link everything into the show notes as well. But if our listeners want to follow you, your journey, and Etique, where's the best place to go for them? Um, if you want to follow Etique, uh, probably uh, Etique Instagram. So that's Etique uh, World. If you're into follow me, I don't know how interesting I am, but um, I am uh, Brienne M West on Instagram. Beautiful. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today, Brienne. It was lovely. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Please like, review or share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you'd like to follow us, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn under Alexander PR or follow the links in the show notes below. Until next time, thank you for listening.